one, never know what you're going to get on Sunday. Sometimes 20 minutes, sometimes 30, and today 50, 55. Wow, praise God. Okay. Just to all the veterans, um, me being South African, my wife, Taiwanese, just able to be in this country for your because of all of your suffering and because of all of your labor, because of your unselfishness for this country. So for every veteran, we are really, really, uh, we love this country. I'm telling you, it, it is amazing. If you think it's not amazing, travel to other places, go over, look, and then you come back and try to complain. It's an amazing country. And just to all the veterans, man, I hear so many stories and my brother-in-law is a veteran, you know, Friends, I mean, they're just all around me, and you hear these stories and things of people having to go away and leave their families, and wow, just thank you to all. We really, we do honor you, and we are so grateful. So thank you so much for that. Um, I spent some time with G yesterday, my good friend who has so much wisdom and revelation just flowing out of him without him even knowing it. And just G as well, I'm sure he'll be so grateful for being in this country, coming from China. And he just went home to be in China and visit family there. And just the stories that he tells about, it, it's good to be back. But I was just talking to him and he was saying, you know, what are you preaching on? And I said, ah, I know what I want to say. I don't know how to get there, though. I don't know where I'm going to end. I don't know how to get there. There's so many different angles I can take. But... Um, I've got 55 minutes to get there today, so it's good. Even the worship today was just so amazing. You know, we sang about, thank you once again, worship team. Um, have you ever heard the statement, if you can't see his hand, trust his heart? Have you heard that before? Talking about God. If you can't see his hand, trust his heart. Well, so many times we pray for something, we believe in, we know it's the will of God, but it hasn't manifested. It could be health, it could be a relationship, it could be a job, it could be finances, it, it could be anything. So when you're standing and you're praying and you're believing, but you don't see it, when you don't see his hand, trust his heart, because you know that his heart is always for you. So when you don't see the manifestation yet, it hasn't come when you've done everything to stand, stand some more. But when you can't see his hand, trust his heart. That's one of, what I want to talk about today is the heart. Um, even that song we sang, when the spirit of the Lord comes upon my heart, I will dance like David danced. That's amazing about the heart and the spirit. You can't get away from it. So we're going to look at the heart today. And I know where I want to end. So... Um, we're going to start. There's so many verses concerning that. If you look around, you will see in my point of view, this is my opinion, the most beautiful lady doing the verses for us today. Um, it's my wife. So in my point of view, and point of views are interesting, the way different people see different things. See, now I've got 55 minutes, I can put a little story in here. I'm the chaplain at Ford Trucking Motor Company, and there was a, a guy working there, he was a technician, and he was going through some issues, so I prayed with him, and he had a, 
a fiance at that stage and she was looking for a job, so I said, let's pray. He said, now? I said, yes, yeah, now, in the garage with everyone, let's, let's pray. So we prayed, and you know what? His fiance got a job at Ford, right there, in one of the accounting, accounting places. So he was very impressed by the prayer and the power of God. In any case, I never knew who his fiance was, and he said, if you go into the accounting office, you will see the most beautiful lady, and that is my, that's my fiance. So I thought, I'll go into this office, and I'll introduce myself and say, you know, we prayed, and look what God did. Look at the goodness of God. So I walk into the accounting office, and I see all the people, you know, crunching the numbers, doing what they do there. And I'm, I am looking for the most beautiful lady in the accounting office. And, uh, so I, it, it, it's got to be that one. <laughs> so I start walking to the most beautiful lady in the accounting office. And somebody calls me and they say, Rifle, can you quickly come here? We need us. Yeah, okay, so I turn around. And in any case, that lunchtime, his fiance comes to give him sandwiches or something like that. It was not the woman I was about to greet. <laughs> so I would have gone to the wrong lady, said, I hear you're the most beautiful lady in this office, but, but God. So that was amazing. So in my opinion, there's the most beautiful lady up there doing the verses. So a lot of these verses um, are new. I didn't give them to you, my love, so just do your best. But if we go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, because I want to talk from going in believing in something to knowing something. There's a difference in believing something and, and knowing something. So Paul writes to his, this young son of his in the faith, Timothy. He says, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know in whom I have believed. And am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed until that day. So he goes from believing to knowing. So it's one thing for me to say, I've been in Richmond eight years now. Uh, I can look at the weather and I can say, I, I believe it's going to rain tomorrow. Means maybe it could, maybe it can't. But if I tell you, I know. It's going to rain tomorrow. There's a difference in the two. Because even the Bible talks about unbelieving believers. And there's a difference in, yeah, you know, God can. Have you heard this? You never know what he's going to do. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. Not that that's a true statement, but people say that. So there's a difference in saying, I believe, but then I know. I know. How do you know? We always joke and we say, I know that, 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 I know. How do you know? Well, I just know. <laughs> I don't believe. I know. So how do we get from a place of believing to a place of absolutely knowing? How do we go from, uh, you know, I believe, to, yes, I know. Let me, let me tell you something. Like Jesus standing in front of the grave of Lazarus when he prayed. He wasn't in a believing, well, you know, God is able to make all grace abound. You know, Lazarus come forth. I, I, I believe he, he turned around. He, was, he knew that he knew in his knower that he knew that when he prayed, he could say amen, turn around and go. It was going to happen. So how do we get from believing to knowing? So that's what we're going to look at today. If we look at 
1 John chapter 4. Very, very famous verse here, verse 16. And this, I don't know, to me, one of the most amazing gentleman, brother, disciple, apostle in the Bible, this, this John, who, who we, we, through studies, we know that he was the youngest amongst all the disciples with Jesus, and he's the one who had this revelation of love. And he lived so old, and, and in his 90s, he writes here, and we have known and believed the love. Do you know and believe do you just believe? Because there's a difference in believing. There's a difference in believing God has a purpose and a great will for you. There's a difference in knowing. There's a difference in, I, 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 what are you called to do? Well, I, I believe it's this. What are you called to do? It's this. I know because God has spoken. He's revealed. I know this is my destiny. These are my gifts. This is what I was born to do. How many of us in church can raise our hands if someone says, do you know why you are here? Can you raise your hand and say, I know that I know that I know that this is my purpose in life. So this John writes, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Because many people in a church believe. We go to church, why? Because we believers. But are we knowers? We are known as believers. What are you? I'm a believer. I go to church. Oh, he's a believer. Wouldn't it be better if they call us knowers? Why do you go to church? Well, not because I'm a believer. I go to church because I'm a knower. I know. So he, this guy who history tells us they tried to boil him in oil and the love on the inside of him was hotter than the oil in the bath that they put him in. So they couldn't boil him in oil. They, they try and get rid of him. Just put him for God's sake on an island where no one will ever find him. Just throw him away where he can't make any more trouble. Just get rid of this person. And who shows up? God. Hi, here I am. We got a book to write. I, I mean, it's just he knew and he believed the love that God had. And we need to get to that point in our hearts. Because the Bible, I mean, there's so many verses. There's so many. One of my favorite absolute verses in the Bible, Proverbs 4, from 23 to 27. Above all, guard your heart. Because out of your heart flow the issues of life. Guard your heart. There's so many. With the mouth, one confesses what you believe in your heart. Back to the heart. It's about the heart. It's about the heart. If you speak to the mountain and believe in your heart, you will have. You can't get away from not the blood pump. It's not that. You can't believe God with your liver more than you can with your kidney than you can with your heart. It's not about that blood pump. It's not that. It's the you. It's the real you. It's what makes you you. It's when this flesh passes away, that you that remains, that will never stop being you, with that you believe. So when you speak to a problem, you know that it's done. It's cast in the ocean. You will have whatever you say if you believe in your heart, okay? So, so many things about the heart. I don't know if any of you have heard of Malcolm Muggridge. He was an English a journalist who, who was very 
fell in love with communism and so on, and then he went to live. He was born in 1903, went to live in Russia, and uh, when he came back, he absolutely disdained communism, and he became a believer. He became a knower very late in his life and wrote a lot of books and amazing. And uh, he's actually, just before he passed away, he became good friends with Robbie Zacharias, and they spend a lot of time, not a lot of time together, but some time together. And Mugridge tells a story about him. He went to India. He was living in India at the time. And as they do in India, one morning he woke up, and he was going to bathe in the river like they do. And he got into the river, and he was cleaning. And on the other side of the river, he saw a woman also entering the water to obviously probably bathe. So he's saying him being a very lustful kind of person, he swam to the other side. And when he started swimming towards this woman, he says, and he's not saved at that stage, but something on the inside of him said, no, don't go, do not do it, no. And he, he disobeyed, he ignored that silent voice of his conscience, the Lord speaking to him even before he was a believer. So he started swimming, swimming, swimming. And when he got very close to this woman, she frantically realized that someone had invaded, number one, her privacy and when she saw this, a white man at that, not, a, not an Indian gentleman, and she, she, she covered herself. She tried to cover herself. And he realized that she had leprosy. And her, her lips were completely, there was nothing here. Her eyes were coming through empty sockets, fingers and, and, and this fallen off, ears completely just not there. And he was very close to this lady, and he looked at her, and he was about to say, what an ugly woman. But before he could say that, something rose up on the inside of this not-yet-believer and said, no, what an ugly heart. To swim towards an innocent being because of your lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life, and he swam towards this lady and invaded her privacy and still had the audacity to look at this woman suffering from that and, and wanting to say, what an ugly human being, the heart. What does our heart look like? What is inside of your heart? The Bible in the Old Covenant says the heart is deceitful above all things. And many people want to camp there. They want to build an altar around the old heart. They want to build and, and recite everything that's wicked and evil. But when we come into the covenant that we are, even in the old covenant, Jeremiah 31, God speaking through this prophet, he says, you know, there's going to be a day that I will come and I will take that filthy, that deceitful, that heart of stone, I will take out of you. And I'll replace it with a heart of flesh. And I will write my laws on your heart. That's what we have today. That's the closeness that we have to God. That we don't need tablets and laws and rules and regulation. Because he's constantly writing a love letter on our heart. That's why when you swim towards somebody else, he's there saying, no, don't, don't go there. Don't do that. And we have the choice to obey or not.
So you and I sitting in this room, our hearts of stone have been taken out. We have hearts of flesh. And he writes, and he speaks, and he leads, and he guides. I had two of the most amazing revelations that I've had this week happened to me. One was Friday morning at the gym on the stair, tread, the stair step or whatever you call that. I'm listening to a sermon. I'm sweating like a dog. And Holy Spirit just drops something into my spirit that I didn't know before. Nobody's there. I mean, a lot of people. No one's talking to me. I'm not paying attention to anyone. I'm listening to the sermon. I'm trying to get to the top of the stairs that never comes. And I'm just trying, trying, trying. And he dropped something into my spirit. And it was there in the gym. I just, wow. Wow. Just, I didn't know that two minutes ago. I didn't know that 20 seconds ago. I didn't know that 10 but God, he dropped something in my spirit while I'm running to get to the top of these stairs. And he just revealed something so amazing to me. Man, he's everywhere. And he speaks to our hearts. Do you know that? Or do you believe? Uh, I'm his sheep. He calls me by name. Or do you know? Because if you know, then he can do it. Because as a man believes, what you believe can happen. All things are possible to him who believes. If you know that he speaks and he reveals and he counsels and he comforts and he guides and he talks, he can do it because you're expecting that. You're alive and awake and expect those things to constantly happen. This morning I'm talking to Mike Coleman about prison. I can't go into the federal prison because I'm not a citizen. They only found that out after I was doing that for three years. Never caught onto the accent. And Mike says, well, well you, you can become a citizen one day. And that thought never crossed my mind. Never. I, I, it just, when you're a citizen, you can go back in. You can't go into the federal prison now because you're not a U.S. citizen. But once you get your citizenship, you can go back in. S simple, hey. I never thought about that. I stood there, I hugged the man, I said, man, that is such a revelation. Maybe that's why God has me doing what I'm doing now, so that when I am a citizen, I can use that and go back into the prison. He's always there, he's always speaking. Where? To the heart, to the inside of us. He's always leading, always guiding. I want to go to two verses here. Um, if we can go to Second Chronicles 20, verse 7. The last couple of weeks, Pastor Manny spoke about it, and Brett definitely spoke about it and used it a lot, talking about it's done, it's finished, the work is over. We're not trying to get, we are. And we came from God, we were found in Him before we were lost in Adam. And if the work is done, does that just mean I sit on the sofa every day and just wait for Him to do whatever He wants to do? Is that what Brett is saying? Definitely not. The work is done. The good work has been prepared. We are in heavenly places. But in the Bible, it says that we have to keep ourselves in the love of God. He's not going to do that. He's already done everything he's going to do. But your and my part now is to keep ourselves in the love of God. And that's the work that we need to do. Pastor Manny was talking last week about there, there remains a rest 
The Bible says, strive to enter the rest. That, what's that, an oxymoron? Strive to enter the rest. Strife is not good, but this is a good one. Make sure that you stay in the rest. That's our job because all has been done. It's finished. It's over. But make sure you keep yourself in the love of God. He's done everything to make his love known. He's done everything to make his love abound. But you make sure that you stay and keep in the love of God. So that's what we're saying here is that our job is to make certain that we keep ourselves in the love of God. That when something other than love should come towards our way and people want to blame God for that, we, uh -uh, no, that's not God because I know that he's not that way. So I'm keeping myself in the love of God. This is the way God works. This is who he is, and I'm staying and in that. And even though I can't see his hand in the matter, I can still trust his heart. So Second Chronicles 20 verse 7. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? You know that song, I am a friend of God. Isn't it amazing to be called a friend of God? Old Covenant. Before Jesus came, before any, before the word, before to be called a friend of God. Where does friendship lie? In the heart. You're not friends in your mind. You don't think friendship. You feel, you understand, you know. If friendship is just here, there's a problem. There are friendships just here. But real, true friendship comes from here. So for Abraham to be called a friend of God, that's amazing. So remember that verse. You gave this land to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever. Okay. Then let us go to Genesis chapter 22, please. And we know the situation here we're going to read here, so... Verses 1 to 14, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, he said, Abraham, he said, here I am. Then he, God said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. In Second Chronicles chapter 7, the word friend is the Hebrew word ahab, which is a Strong's Concordance H157. So Hebrew 157. Friend in Hebrew. You know what it means? I'm going to read another verse where that word is used in exactly the same manner. It's just translated in English in a different way. Then God said, he said, take now your son your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. In Hebrew, the word friend is exactly the same word as love or lover. Isn't that amazing? So isn't this land that you gave to your lover, 
your friend, Abraham? Exactly the same word that God turns around. He says to Abraham in Genesis, he says, offer your son whom you love. Same word for friend. So how close is our heart relationship with our father? Is it a one of like being a lover? Being so close, so intimate, so involved in every area of life? Or is it it's just a friend, an acquaintance. If I see you this week, it's okay. If I don't, it's also okay. Is it like that? Because we have friends like that. We have acquaintances. If I see you, it's okay. I don't see my wife every day. Something's wrong. It doesn't work. It's not the way it should be. And this is what this word means. This word here, look here, is translated 169 times as love. Friend. That Hebrew word. 169 times as love, 19 times as lover or lovers, only 12 times as friend. So I am a friend of God. The Hebrew word there would be I am a lover of God. I am so intimate with him. I understand him. He understands me. I know his heart. He knows mine. Therefore, I can say, search my heart. Come and look on the inside of me because you made it. You know what's there. And anything that's not of you, I'm not going to allow it in there because out of my heart that you created come the issues of my life. And I know you're just good. So if there's anything in here that's not good, it's not from you, I push it away. That word is friend. So now I want to go back to this whole story here. So God says to him, take your son, your only son whom you love, Go to the land, Moriah, offer him there. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offerings and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and the lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back. So Abraham took the wood and they go on. I remember the story when I was Nathan, my son's age, six, seven years. This is one of the stories they tell at school in our religious instruction in South Africa when I was growing up. I heard it in Sunday school, what people here call children's ministry. And you know, every single person that told me this story asked me the question, how do you think Abraham felt that night before the morning that he had to go up the mountain? Everyone asked me that question. What do you think Abraham's state of mind was? How do, do you think he slept at all that night? What do you think the feeling, what do you think was running through his mind, his body, his soul? What state do you think he was in knowing the next day he had to go and offer his son? And every single one of these people, just like Brett so very nicely said to us, when we read in the beginning in Genesis and we get a picture of God, in the beginning we get it from a broken, fallen man called Adam. And now when you read that, you get Adam's fallen state, scared out of his wits account of who God is. 
That's not truth. That's giving us a picture from fallen man's point of view, and you don't come from fallen man. But when you read that, now Adam is hiding. Why? Because he disobeyed. He's naked. God never told him he was naked. So now we see things from Adam's point of view, not God. All we understand about God at that stage is God comes and he says, Hey, Adam, my son, where are you? Why, why, why are you hiding? Why are you using language and words and, and statements and ideas and things in your mind that I never mentioned? So it just proves to me you've been talking and listening to somebody else other than me. Why, why would you do that? And now because of that, we get this picture of God. And now everything that we endeavor in life is from this fallen, fearful God over there, me hiding kind of picture which doesn't depict the true heart of God. So now the question was, when I read the story, was always, how do you think Abraham felt? Man, if it were me, the teacher would say, I wouldn't be able to sleep. If it were me, I'd be so scared. If it, if it were me, I would, I would put my son to sleep and I would lie next to him in the bed or I would sit and I would listen to him breathe and they would go on and on year after year, different teacher after different teacher and tell me the story about this fearful Abraham who had to go and offer his son. And that's how I saw God. That God maybe one day, because if I should, God forbid, hear the Lord saying to me, offer this or offer that or give this up or give that up. How, how are you going to feel, rifle? Until God came and he completely changed my heart, completely gave me a different picture of him, completely let me know that all of these people that were talking from a fallen, fearful kind of point of view and place is not who I am supposed to be, and that's not who God had called me to be. So I need to revisit and relook this story and go through it again and again and again from a friend's, a lover's point of view. Not a man who's fallen and scared, and, but from a friend's point of view. And it's here, and this you may say this is opinion, that's great, that's fine, whatever works for you. But here Abraham says, he's doing everything God says, and he goes to the mountain, and he says to the guys, okay, hey, you guys wait here. Me and the lad, we're coming back. Me and this boy, we will be back. Not, I believe God will, no, you wait here. Us too, when we done what we had to do and God did what he had to do, and we will be back. That, to me, does not sound like a fearful, scared man who doesn't know what he was called to do and is absolutely shaking in his shoes, could not sleep the night before because what is going to happen? Doesn't sound to me like that, but that's the way I was taught. And because I was taught it that way, that's the way I believed until God said no. No more. Because now any circumstance in life, when you look at it through the scary eyes of Abraham, last week during worship, Vivian was singing and she said, we have to break covenant with fear. But if you see God like this, there's going to be fear in everything. But now when I read this, you know what I see Abraham the night before he was going to do this, climbing to his bed and just 
Doesn't the Bible say that he saw his son raised from the dead if that had to happen? Can you imagine the dreams he had that night? Can you imagine lying? There is such an expectancy. I don't know if you've ever had that, but there's such a great expectancy on the inside of you that the impossible is possible, and because he said it's going to happen, it is going to happen, so, oh, it's so good. He couldn't fall asleep because of excitement. Couldn't fall asleep because of, how's he going to do this? He's God. I'm not going to put him in a box. There's 101 different ways he can do it. If he has to raise him from the dead, he's going to do it. But he's God. He told me, therefore, me and the boy, me and the lad, we'll be back. And that's now my viewpoint of of, of different things because now I have known and believed the love. Because what father is going to ask you to give up your son if it's not just absolute pure love. So God the Father comes and he proves his love. That's why circumstances and everything that happens on the outside of us can never determine the love of Jesus Christ for us because the love of God was proven at the cross. That's the end of story. There's no if, ands, or buts. And now I, my job today is to keep myself in the love of God and not allow outside circumstances to determine, well, if he loved you, where is God? Why is it not? No, it was settled at the cross. The love of God made manifest to us. And John carries on late in the book of John and he says, I write this to you so that your joy may be full. I write this to you so that your joy may be full. I think Abraham was so filled with joy and expectancy that that night wasn't a problem for him at all. And how do we handle circumstances? Are we so close to God that our heart is at a place that no matter what we face, there's expectancy? Because you know what the world says, don't get your hopes up. That's what the world says. Because the Bible says now faith is a substance of things hoped for. The, the, the world is completely the opposite of that. And you know if you hope for nothing, you're going to get it every time. You're going to get it every single time. So this fearful God and this fearful Abraham, I don't read the story like that anymore. And now because of that faith, Abraham's walking up. And even the son doesn't understand everything because God didn't speak to him. He did not have the revelation. So people around you may be freaking out because they don't have the revelation, but you do. So keep calm and speak truth in love. That's all. Keep calm. Speak the truth in love. Father, we are going up this mountain and uh, we're going to offer something and... uh, we, we're missing something. No, we're not missing something. The Lord will provide. Okay. Now my question is, when was that ram placed in that bush? Question, anyone. When was the ram placed in the bush? When did it get caught? Before the foundation of the world. Didn't arrive just then, didn't. No, 
before Adam and Eve walked in the garden, that ram was already caught in that bush waiting for Abraham to come and find it. And when you and I can walk up the mountain and say to everyone at the bottom waiting there, the lad and I, or the, the money and I, or the job and I, or the partner and I, or the peace and I, or the health and I, we will return, but we're going to worship. Worship is my warfare. All of the pastors sing here. I don't. I just. <laughs> Me and the lad, we're going to worship. Worship is not a song that you sing. Worship is the obedience that you walk in every single day. We are going to worship and we will be back. And when we can do that, so he goes up and there doesn't one of God's names come from that place? Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees and provides. The God who sees, because he sees everything, but it's not just good enough for him to see. He's the provider as well. Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees and provides. But if you walking up that mountain, shaking in your knees, believing that, oh, this is it, it's not going to work again. All things are possible to him who believes. What are you believing when you walk up that mountain of health? What are you believing when you walk up the mountain of finances? What do you believe when you're walking up the mountain of relationship, job, whatever it is? Are you coming back with that thing that you're believing for so that they can see that when you came back from your worship, so did the thing that you were believing for? That's the kind of people God is looking for because now when we come back, now we can testify about the goodness of God. Now we can let our good work so shine that people see our light and we can give glory to the Father. That's how that happens. So this whole story, it's time and time again in the Word. Um, if we go to Luke chapter 5, please, my love. Luke chapter 5. We have this amazing story. What a teachable moment. Fishermen are washing their nets. Jesus comes and he says, okay, listen, let's go fish again. Peter's a little, I don't know, call whatever you want. We've toiled all night. We've caught nothing. We are professional fishermen. You don't catch fish in the day. You don't know what you're doing. You're a carpenter. Why don't you just go fix a table in the door where you come from and leave us alone? You have no idea about fishing. Nevertheless, at thy word. So they go out. We know the whole situation. We know the circumstance that takes place. So Jesus says, put your net on the other side. They do that. They catch all of these fish. Boats are sinking. Nets are breaking. And Peter comes to God, to Jesus, and he says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Okay. Now, because of Peter sticking with Jesus, maybe not seeing his hand in every circumstance, but knowing who Jesus is, because at one stage Jesus says, You have to eat my flesh, drink my blood. People scatter. They're gone. Jesus turns around and says to the disciples, You boys leaving too? And Peter looks at him and he says, where are we going to go? What do you want me to do? After I've been with you, after I've walked with you for a while, after I've seen who you are, how else do you want me to live my life than being a follower of you? Where, where do I go from here? You have the answers of life. I may not understand what it means to drink blood and eat flesh. It's against the law. I don't know, but I'm going to stick with you. I may not see your hand, but I trust your heart. 
I'm staying with you. So here we have the situation where Peter can't believe to go and catch fish in the day. Then we turn to Matthew chapter 17, verse 24. Then they had come to Capernaum. Those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the temple tax? He said, Yes. And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him, saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take customs and taxes? From their sons or from strangers? Peter said to him, From strangers. Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. Now, catch this miracle here. Look at this. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the fish that comes up first. Someone tells you to do that? That's amazing. That's okay. Listen here. This is what we're going to do go to the ocean. Take a hook, one, cast it in, and take the first fish, which means there could have been a second, could have been a third, or even just one, however you want to see that. But once you've put in this single hook, pull out the first fish that comes out. Isn't that a, wouldn't that be a miracle? Just to go to the ocean, cast in your hook, and pull out a fish. That in itself is wow. But wait, if you dial now, we'll give you some more of the story. <laughs> and when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of... M- Come on, man. Get, no, get real. You will find money. You will find money in the mouth. Of, let, let, let's go back here. Take one hook, cast that into the vast ocean, and on that single one little hook in the whole ocean, one fish is going to come, and he's going to bite that hook, and he's going to be caught on your one single hook. But when you take that fish out inside its mouth, there will be money, and you take that money, and you go and pay our tax. Do you see Peter arguing? Do you see Peter saying, well, I'm a fisherman. I've toiled all night. You don't know how fishing is. You have no idea. Or did Peter now at this stage, because he walked and he's a friend and he's a lover and he saw when Jesus says you do and it will work. Me and the lad, we will come back. I'm going with this hook and I'm coming back with money out of a fish's mouth. I do not care how impossible, how difficult, how irrational that is. The master has spoken. No argument. And when you and I can get to a place of no argument, where the master speaks and he says, I've called you to do this. End of discussion. I know that I know that I know that I will find money in a fish's mouth to pay the tax. Not fighting, not arguing, nothing. Just believing and knowing that he has spoken. The heart. The heart. He got to a place he saw because he hung around. He wouldn't leave. He wouldn't depart from. He didn't understand anything. None of the disciples did. But man, they stuck with the master. 
and they stuck and they stuck and they walked and they stayed it out to the point where something as impossible as this, there was no argument against it. It was just, let's do it. The heart. That guy, Mugridge, who swam over and saw that labia of leprosy, leprosy, his heart was ugly because all of our hearts were. But man, once Jesus comes and he changed your heart and he's got a heart of flesh, now he can write on there. He can write the most amazing things. And it's exciting. And people look at you and they think you've lost your mind. And it's just, how can that even be? It's just exciting. When, when Tiffany and I, when the Lord spoke, and I know a lot of people don't believe that, but that's okay. When the Lord spoke and said to us to come to America, man, we had everything against us. We quit our jobs in Taiwan, so we had no money. There was no salary. I wrote on the form where you apply for the visa, criminal record, being arrested by the police. That in itself is a no-no. When we went for the interview, we didn't have everything we needed. Every single thing was absolutely wrong for them to say to us. Do you know what excitement I had on the inside of me? Because God had said it and I just knew that I, I, I knew. And people around me were freaking out. So I had to stay calm, speak the truth in love, go up the mountain, and me and the visa are coming back. That should never have happened. But I can't explain to you. People say that must have been so hard. It was one of the easiest things I have done in my entire life. To leave absolutely everything. Go to a land that he will show me when I leave. How? Doesn't matter. Just go. Pack up, Abe. Pack up your tent. Where to? Doesn't matter. Pack up. Let's go. Can I take? Don't take anything. You just leave. Where am I going? As soon as you go, I'll show. And one of my favorite verses in the Bible says, Genesis 12, 3, So Abraham departed. There was no arguing. There was no, well, this and that, and don't you understand, and shouldn't I have? There was none of that. So Abraham departed. So John said, we believed and we have known the love so Paul says, I'm persuaded. I have gone from believing to knowing. And all of these great men in the Bible, they got to a place of where their hearts were absolutely so in knowing that it doesn't matter how big you are. And you can go from, from hero to hero. You can go to David standing in front of Goliath. Simple. How do you dare defy the God of Israel? That, that was his. You're an uncircumcised Philistine. I have a covenant. You have no covenant. You going down. There was no argument. There was no, look how big, how many people. Look how, there was none of that. It was one thing, knowing that you can't, as an uncircumcised Philistine with no covenant, stand and speak to the God of Israel like that and not have anything happen against you. It just so happens that I was born for a time like this to take you down today and remove your head from your body. 
And too many times, which is good, we take a piece of paper and we separate on the piece of paper and we write pros and cons. And if I do this, this is going to work, and this is, and I have this, and I don't have this, and then at the end we see, okay, which one outweighs the other one? In the kingdom, there's one word of God that will change your life, and you don't have pros and cons. You have the word, and because the word is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, it will provide whatever it said it would provide because that's how it works. What's inside your heart? Is there a believing or is there, man, I know that I know that I know. My mom was saying, it's not going to happen. You're leaving a very good job, you and your wife, you're doing this, blah, blah, blah. And I said, mom, if you want to see a miracle, you want to see a miracle with your own two eyes, December 6th at 5.30, whatever the time was that we landed, you stand at Richmond International Airport where the doors open, where people fly internationally and come into Richmond, and you will see a miracle. My mom stood there, those doors opened, and Tiffany and I appeared because we knew that God had spoken. What has God spoken to you? What is in your heart that you can't see his hand right now. But his heart is beating with love concerning that situation in your life. Do not look at the things which are seen. But look at the things which are unseen. Look at the spoken word that he has given to you. Because that which is seen is subject to change. Because his word is proven, it's eternal, it's unchanging, it's everlasting, it's a refuge, it's a rock on which we stand. And when he has spoken and said, he is God who will perform and do. If there's anyone here right now, and you may be believing instead of knowing, but you know that God has put something in your heart, please stand up because I want to pray for you. Whatever it is, any circumstance, it doesn't matter. If you need to go from believing to knowing, please stand up right now. Father God, you see all of your sons and daughters. You see your children standing up right now. And we're standing because we come with a humble heart. We come in humbleness to say, I know that I need to go deeper. I know that I need to go further. You have spoken something to my heart. You have revealed something for me in my life. And right now it hasn't yet manifested. Right now I can't see it. But Lord, I choose this very day, Memorial Weekend 2019, to trust your heart. So that I know, that I know, that I know you have spoken and therefore it will come to pass. And not only do I know that, but I will enjoy the journey getting to what you said will come to pass. That I will not live in stress, I will not live in fear, I will not live in absolute bad things happening in my life to get to that place. But I will live 
in a place of enjoying every day and every moment with you as you lead and guide me to that place. And I choose Hebrews 11, which says, now faith is, I say now faith is in my life. And I believe that which you have spoken. And because I believe, I know very moment because your word says when you stand praying believe that you will receive and you will have it so just come now and in your own words just give him that thing whatever it is give it to him now give it to him put it in his hands put it in front of him at the throne and say I'm going from believing to knowing I'm giving this thing to you now so that I can walk away knowing not believing anymore Give it to him, literally now. Put it in your hands, whatever it is, and place it at the feet of Jesus. And say, I lay this thing down before you so that when I turn around and I've said amen to this prayer, I know that it has been done. It is finished because this is what you've called to be happening in my life. I receive that this very day. Give it to him. Walk away. spoken to them will come to pass for them and as you sow the seed in their life your seed in your life will also come to pass so pray for them now with a heart of absolute love declare decree that thing that they desire and pray and cry for will manifest and come to pass in their life and you agree and you attach your faith to theirs so that we two agree upon anything so shall it be done unto them so agree with that person next to you agree with them and say this is I'm standing in agreement so that your dream and your desire will manifest in your life in Jesus name pray believe stand with them right now stand with them believe with them speak it out believe it now today as that song says I am a friend of God we just come as your friends we're your children, we're your sons, we're your daughters but we're your friends as well and we just give you that thing that you've placed in our heart, we lay it before your feet we lay it at the throne of Jesus 
and we turn around saying, I know that that is mine in Jesus' name. We thank you that you are good. Thank you, Lord, that we will go up the mountain and we will come down after we've worshipped with whatever we went up there for because you have placed it there ready waiting for us before the foundation of the earth. We bless you and we thank you for this in Jesus' precious name. Just give him a thanks. Thanks is just now. Thank you, faithful, that you're believing it before you see it. Just give thanks. 55 minutes went quick. Have an amazing Memorial Day. Thank you for all the veterans, the soldiers. Go and be an amazing friend and lover of God. See you next week.